Introducing the eighth wonder of the world, the king and deity of Skull Island. Seeing really is believing in King Kong. Make a new theme song. Yes, hopefully this one with a uh, gorilla. Oh, because 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 uh, does Kong have a? I, Kong doesn't have an iconic roar. I don't think. You know, I didn't pay enough attention to his roar in this <laughs> one, but I feel like he's got an iconic roar. I do. Maybe I, it, it's not the it's not the Godzilla iconic. No, not quite. But I always picture the one that they use in. Godzilla or Kong versus Godzilla. See, I was more disturbed by uh, the the people roaring <laughs> and screaming. Oh yeah, there's a lot of that at at uh, Kong's roar itself. But anyway, welcome back to the Monster vs. <laughs> Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of Kaiju Podcasting Airwaves. At this point, I think we should say Monster Podcasting Airwaves, Alex. And this week, mm-hmm. we're trying to stay alive. As we're as we discuss King Kong, nineteen thirty three, uh, you ready to go on this new series? Oh, I'm ready to take a visit to Skull Island over nice. and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a ton of variety here in the series, but we'll see. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm a, a bit unfamiliar with the series as a whole. I was a fan of Peter Jackson's King Kong when it yeah. came out. And I still am, but it's been years since I've watched it. So I'm looking forward to getting to that one uh, and to exploring some of these other ones I haven't seen. You would think that I'd seen 1933 King Kong, the original, but yeah. I haven't. I had it before. So this is this was a first for me. Yeah, me too, uh, actually. But I thought it was funny. I was like, man, I really haven't seen much Kong stuff at all other than, and I started making the list. I was like, I saw Peter Jackson's King Kong. I saw Kong mm-hmm. Skull Island. Mm-hmm. I saw... Uh, what was the, what's the Toho King Kong? Um, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, no, oh yeah, I saw Kong, King Kong versus escapes. Godzilla. King Kong escapes. I'm like, well, uh-huh. turns out I've actually seen quite a bit of King Kong, but I just didn't see the earlier iterations. Nice, nice. Now, are you an Overture guy? Did you listen to the four minute Overture at the beginning? Yeah, I did. I did. You know, you'd oh. expect. I th- what did you think I was going to fast forward through it just because I fast forwarded through some of the Gamma recap stuff? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I briefly thought about it and but then I thought like and I guess Eric this will ask me no I didn't think about that but I did think like you know what this is part of the experience especially in 1930s like this is the yeah. experience just like go along with it and I really yep. ended up enjoying it nice nice what about you uh, look at look at you no I did I did too but. I was curious if you would. Yeah, I mean, the whole time I was drinking my water with my pinky out, like I was starting to feel real fancy over here. <laughs> but hey, before we jump into further film discussion, let's do one of our patron openers, AMA. So choose a number between one and five, Alex. Five. All right, this one's from David Marshall, and it is, why do you all suck so much? <laughs> I mean, the answer to that, the answer to that, David, is you suck, man. <laughs> man, I don't know. You know, we've been doing this for a long time now. I feel like we're good at it, but here comes along David to just knock me down a peg. Mm. But you know, keep, keeping us humble. 
Yeah, I mean, keep some people can never win, and I guess yeah. that's just you and me. <laughs> this can become a pity party now. <laughs> Let's jump into it before we start pitying ourselves more. <laughs> so here we go. As we shift gears into the last major giant monster franchise that we have yet to cover on our podcast, we turn our focus in onto 1933's King Kong, directed by Ernest Schoedzak and Marion C. Cooper. Though this film came just before strict implementation of Hayes Code censorship, I find myself surprised by how far it pushed the limits, especially in terms of its brutality. Now, Alex, did you find yourself enthralled by the aspect or were you more appalled? Oh, definitely enthralled. I mean, you said it. Violence-wise, <laughs> this thing has really pushed the limits mm-hmm. and did so in a way that I don't think we'd really see again for a very long time. I was very surprised, not just by the graphic nature of the violence, but, you know, with the stomping of the natives is a really standout moment. Mm. Um, but also with how intricate the fights between the monsters are, especially when Kong goes up against, I forgot what the, the I think it's a Tri-Rex. I can't remember what mm-hmm. they're called in this, but uh, I had, you know, I had this view in my mind of what the fight would be being kind of like Godzilla raids again, kind of scenario, like a little bit of wrestling essentially right? where the fight just isn't that interesting, but the thing is really choreographed like in a very shocking way with like attacks from every angle. They're climbing Mm -hmm. all over each other and the creative, the creativity of these fights really fills the scenes. Like, it really brings them to life and brings Kong to life in particular. And that little aspect of Kong playing with corpses of his enemies is a really interesting trait that I really loved and gives him that extra bit of personality. Mm -hmm. These moments really wowed me in ways that I didn't expect from a movie made in the thirties. Yeah, no. So I definitely found myself more enthralled than appalled at the brutality that we found here. And yeah, the choreography of the fight scenes. It's just really impressive considering we watched the, I man, I don't want to be that guy, but the Heisei <laughs> Godzilla at times, right? Where yes. There is no choreography. You right. Know? right. Um, there's nothing there uh, as far as like the, in the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I don't, I, yeah, You're not wrong. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying it. Just well, saying. no, it's okay. I mean, they are. They're, they're. <laughs> some people devolve them into beam battles. I think they're a little more sophisticated than that, but not much. Yeah. And not, not compared much. to this. Not no, this, to this is this is much more sophisticated for sure. Um, but you know, it that brutality I found here. I, I think there's a horror involved because it feels more personal. Um, and because it's more personal, it is more brutal. Where Godzilla came and ultimately caused much more destruction on a grander scale than King Kong, I would argue that Kong's horror element is stronger just because of how personal that brutality felt. You know, evolutionarily, we are closer to Kong than Godzilla, right? Uh, though I think right. that probably plays into that feeling. But it's also the fact that that Kong takes sleeping women out of their beds and drops them from 30 floors up. You know, (laughs) it's also the fact that Kong plays with his food before snapping their necks or the fact that Kong stomps on his victims where we actually see the struggling victim. (laughs) This is all more personal and vindictive feeling, honestly. Um, So where Godzilla might have made me consider our collective uh, pride 
Here, King Kong makes me question my personal flaws and the limits that we are willing to go to entertain or even just to make a buck. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. what we see in, in this film. Yeah, we really do. And, you know, at first, uh, while you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, it never really felt that vindictive. I felt like Kong mm-hmm. was maybe more benevolent. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more you're right. Especially to keep going back to that moment where he stomps on the natives of the mm-hmm. island. And some of them he stomps on twice. Which really yeah. is not benevolent. <laughs> <laughs> it is vindictive. And there, there is a... He even chews on some of the people and chooses yeah. not to eat them. Actually, we don't actually ever see him eat anything in this. But... He never eats the people. He just chews on them and then spits them out, which is really interesting. One of the things I expected out of Kong, uh, I feel like I was maybe, I'm not going to say led astray by, because these came after the fact, but, Mm -hmm. you know, after seeing King Kong Escapes, Skull Island, and Peter Jackson's King Kong, Mm -hmm. uh, I thought there would be more of a relationship between Anne and Kong to really bring more of that humanity out of Kong. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen. In this, actually, there's like no, there's no give and take relationship at all to create that sympathy. Yeah. In the film, which I was really surprised by. And maybe in a lot of ways, that's probably even more realistic in a way. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we don't feel anything for Kong until we see him chained up in New York City. And then I really think. That point really earns him a lot of sympathy for me because you see him chained up and he's clearly the thing that is not meant to be in that position. He just looks so pathetic and sad there. And it's just this really big surprise, this difference the future films have with this, of hu- of humanizing Kong. It's not mm. until we get to the top of the Empire State Building do we really have things kind of come all the way around where we can see a little bit of that humanity where he's like taking care of her and like, he intentionally sets her down before he falls. Yeah. And these little moments are nice. Now, I do like that we don't get that bridge, though, between humanity and Kong, where hmm. it doesn't feel like anyone ever actually understands him. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely, absolutely true. Um, you know, and I, I think that's an interesting point. And as you said, it's not really a complaint from your end. Uh, it might be a complaint from my end, but not on Kong. It's more on the human characters. Mm. Uh, I don't know if all the character work um, works. <laughs> right. I, I don't really feel like the characters were fully fleshed out. Um, and I think if they would have been a little bit more fleshed out, it would have made an even bigger impact. Like, you know, Denim would have had his camera rolling when encountering dinosaurs. But for some reason, he doesn't, right? Oh, you mean, you mean decisions like that. Do you mean Driscoll? Do I have characters uh, mixed up in my mind? Is Driscoll? No, no. Denim's the director. No, Denim's the director. And Driscoll is uh, Anne's love interest, Jack Driscoll. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah. Denim, you you know he would have his camera out, but for some reason, he, he doesn't. It's like, I'm not sure if he, is he the, what type of character is he? Like, he should be the full-on uh I'm going to get the shot at all costs. And he is that sometimes, but mm. then he's also, he's, he's, he's the, has to make a buck at all costs guy, yes. but that, that doesn't always play out all the time. 
Um, and then some of the lines are classic Hollywood, which I don't necessarily mind either, but they just don't make for the best characterization. It's all hyper stylized, but that's this film, you know, it's a hyper stylized adventure monster film. And we really do go quite on an adventure. Now, I think the first third is actually the weakest of the film, which I find interesting considering how I've preferred the first act in many of the monster films we watch, especially in like the Toho series. Um, But the one thing I did like about the first third here was the meta aspect we get with Denim's pursuit of this mysterious location to create a film within a film. I like that. Uh, But it does take us a bit to get to Skull Island. Um, And it takes us a bit to get to Kong. And Kong, honestly, is the standout here uh, more than the human characters. Yeah. uh, One of the things for me is the romance between Anne and Driscoll. It Mm -hmm. feels completely unearned. Uh, It just kind of comes out of left field. It, It is that old Hollywood style. Mm-hmm. Of kind of rushing these relationships. But honestly, other than that, not much held this film back for me. I actually wasn't bored during the first act, even though it is a little slower. Um, other than that, I think, the, the you know, especially when they get to, to Skull Island, the film is really fun. And, and it is, like you said, it kind of turns into a horror movie, especially when they hit yeah. that, uh, <laughs> especially when they hit that dinosaur marathon. Where they're running from one dinosaur to another, slowly being picked off before they get to Kong. You didn't know the Brontosaurus was a carnivore until this movie. Well, (laughs) that's what I told Cece. She said, she said, Brontosaurus aren't carnivores. I said, they are on Skull Island. They are on Skull Island. Absolutely. Yeah. That thing was scary. Yeah. Oh oh my gosh. It was. I just, I love the guy's idea to get up in a tree to hide from the tallest thing you've ever seen. Very smart. Lots of smart ideas in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. But after that moment, or I guess when, as soon as they meet the Stegosaurus, mm-hmm. this film is nonstop. Yeah. I mean, it no. goes at a breakneck pace. I mean, King Kong just goes from one monster to another. I think he kills three on Skull Island, three or four. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, he very quickly, once they get to New York, just destroys the whole place. I, I just, I really like the pacing of this. Um, again, my only complaint is the, a little bit of the character work between Anne and Driscoll. I actually think Anne could have been fleshed out a little more as yeah. well. That's what I'm saying is, is I think if we would have had that connection between Kong and Anne, uh, the characterization of Anne would have been more fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, small complaints. Like I'm complaining about the first act of the film, which is characterization and characterization in the same breath. So yeah, what do I know? What do I know? <laughs> but I mentioned how this film is hyper stylized and so is the score by Max Steiner. Um, we talked about the overture, which we both listened to, but the score throughout the film accentuates the action of the romance that's happening on, on screen. Um, and I like that aspect. It feels once again, classic Hollywood, especially the ending there where some of those points of action uh, are really highlighted. Um, And then Mm -hmm. just as I was watching this film, a quick meandering for a second, this just made me think about how much society has changed in like 90 years. (laughs) You know, if you take a second and pause, it's quite amazing that our our society keeps changing at such a rapid pace. Like this was only 90 years ago, which as I get older, I'm like, that's, that's not that long ago. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, you know. it, it's true. I feel the same way a lot of times. But I, one of the things, you know, 
looking at this as a 90 year old film, I'm shocked at the creativity with the violence in this movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those scenes feel like something you would see from a modern blockbuster now. And you'd be like, Oh, that was mm. cool. I wouldn't have thought of that. And then yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's how I felt actually when he fought the uh, Tri-Rex and he's playing with its yes. jaw. I was like, I didn't yeah. know that that's what this was like. I didn't know that yeah, that people, scene in Peter exactly. Jackson's was mm-hmm. a direct homage to this. Yeah, exactly. A lot of that, I had no idea. Like, I had no idea that dinosaurs were in King Kong, to be honest. Oh, so, I knew the Tri-Rex yeah. was, and I knew the Skull Crawler was. Uh, oh, right. That is in Skull Island. He actually mm-hmm. makes an appearance in this. And he, <laughs> I make it sound like the, he's this is a cameo because of Skull yeah. Island. <laughs> but that that little creature that uh, Driscoll tells to go away. Yeah, that crawls up. Yeah, it's, it's like that yeah. lizard with two legs. Uh-huh. That is that is the inspiration for the skull crawlers in Skull nice. Island. Nice. Well, one thing I want to talk about in MVM Plus for a few minutes, Alex, is these changes in society from 1930s Ooh. to today. And that might sound a little obscure, uh, but I want to talk specifically about technology and social media a bit and get some of your thoughts about these issues that we've actually been immersed in growing up. Um, but obviously, when King Kong was released, they weren't even in people's minds, right? right. Um, and of course, I also want to hear what you've been watching and consuming recently. Ooh. As always, you can join the Bargain Basement Club uh, and listen to that MVM Plus episode and the entire catalog of MVM Plus over at patreon.com slash mvmpod. But Alex, let's get into our awards, shall we? Oh, yeah, let's do it. All right, coolest character, who do you have? You know, I don't know if he's the coolest character, but mm-hmm. I really liked, I like the character work done on Carl Denham and okay. the way he yeah. is fully committed to his work, even mm-hmm. if it is crossing some really hard ethical lines. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I really like his character. I like the way that he is even standing at, at the body of dead Kong. He's still being a showman. You know, yeah. he, 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 his final line of the film <laughs> is just showmanship. Yeah, That's it all, is. It's all he does. Even, it's the only way he knows in the how face to live. of this tragedy that he's created. He's still thinking of the show, right? And the yes. story. Right, uh, it wasn't the planes that killed the beast. Beauty killed the beast, or something along those lines. Yeah, you know? he, he's just it's thinking about, about the show. Exactly, it's always his narrative from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly, I think he is the most interesting character. I do. I think he's the most interesting character. My coolest character award, though, goes to the Skull Island Native Chief, played by Noble Johnson. Uh, I just thought. What a force uh, on the <laughs> island there. Like really intimidating uh, as he walks down the steps. It was a thought for my, um, oh, that's a good shot award, uh, was him walking down the steps towards uh, oh, yeah. the crew and the rest of the villagers parting way, except for that kid who gets stuck in the middle there, you know, and like yes. his mom has to pull him aside. I was like, I don't even know if that's like – if that was on purpose. Yeah, I don't know if it was either. Was, I saw that too. But I loved it because it was just so like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? Uh, it felt natural. And and he was he was a force. Uh, he didn't have a huge role, of course, but uh the parts that he was in, I was like, wow, that that he's 
he's a coolest character. You know what I was surprised by on that island? How many extras were holding fire? There's no way nowadays that you would let an extra hold fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just the extra work in general was really well done. It, yeah, uh, it really was. It really was. Yeah. Um, what about your most memorable line? So my most memorable line award is tied into that previous one. Uh, and it's right before uh, the native chief walks down the steps towards the crew. And it's when Denim's trying to get that uh, shot. And, <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he gets to this point and he's like, uh, he, he's trying to get the shot without them seeing. And then they all stop. They all look over at him. And he's like, too late. They see us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it just, it made me laugh out loud because obviously like we just, we see them looking all at you guys. Yes. <laughs> and it's just, he's narrating it out loud. Uh, and it's just a moment of, I thought it was funny. I don't know if it was intentionally funny, but I laughed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Um, what about you? Yeah, mine was, I, I've got, I've got two uh, and they're both in the same sequence if I'm remembering right, but. Driscoll says to the skipper, he sa- uh, he's watching uh, Denim film. He says, do uh-huh. you think he's crazy, Skipper? And the skipper just shakes his head and he just says, just enthusiastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he might actually be a little crazy. But yeah. another line uh, is while they're watching him film Anne and he has her do the scream. And she's like mm-hmm. looking really high up and she does the mm-hmm. scream. And Driscoll goes, what's he think?" what's he think she's really going to see <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. immediately like making him question their decision to go here. Yeah. I, I that, that moment stood out whenever uh, the captain says just enthusiastic as well. I was like, yeah. that is an interesting distinction between crazy and enthusiasm, you know, yeah. like <laughs> and, and the lines that we draw. Hey, that was interesting. It stood out to me as well. Um, but your, your second one leads me to my can't believe the acting award which is actually Faye Ray as in Darrow um, following those directions from Denham, right? Right. Uh, There's that slow build of tension where he's giving her orders, telling her what to do. uh, And and she does it really well for someone with very limiting acting experience within the film. But the other thing you have to keep in mind is you have the actress playing the actress, you know? So it's, there's a lot of layers there. um, And she, she pulls off the terror pretty well and you know this is a sign of things to come uh so yeah. i think that was my can't believe the acting moment and good thing she was good at screaming because that's mostly all she does <laughs> it, after that first third yeah yeah is. that's all yeah mm-hmm. um mine you know I, i'm gonna have to go back to robert armstrong as carl the denim i think he does a really great job with his character mm-hmm. he makes him feel cohesive throughout the entire thing he's always putting on a show i did like uh, Bruce Cabot as Jack Driscoll after they get mm-hmm. off the ship, actually, because of the way that he he really does feel like he's a leading better, man. He's better in the action scenes yes. than he is in the romantic, dramatic scenes, yes. for sure. Yeah, but I do like how Bruce Cabot portrays him when he's in the suit. Because he really does look like he's genuinely uncomfortable being dressed up like that. This is true, too. And he was a lot better. He was a lot better in that final act as well. It's like he grew into his role as the film progressed. (laughs) Really, he did. Yeah, he did. What about your uh, standout effect award? Uh, So we talked about this moment, but it's the Kong versus, did you call him a a Trisaur? No, no, I think it's a Trirex because I think the dinosaur 
actually has three fingers. I don't think that matters. I'm sure. I'm sure Henry, the the host, is going to give me a biology lesson again. Oh so God. it doesn't matter what I call him. There's, it's, I'm getting the biology lesson from our friend Henry. I'm sure. But the fight with Kong and the dinosaur with teeth, uh, <laughs> yes, was was awesome. I mean, really, when you talk about the oh, stop motion, it's a V Rex. It's a V Rex. Yes. All right. All oh, right. Everybody's going to be it hating me well at least that's what it is in peter jackson's key kong well you're probably wrong just to let you <laughs> it's a vastosaurus rex there you go well i think it is pretty that the design of both kong and the v-rex at that point uh are awesome and of course the fight itself is really well done i mean you get kong doing actual um wrestling moves right yes uh it's, it's 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 interesting because you get that, and then you get at the same moment you get the jaw break, you know, moment, which we've seen in in so films good. and we saw in Peter Jackson's uh, Kong. So I I love that scene. I was I was blown away by it, and really all the fight scenes with Kong um, yeah. were really well done. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and correct it one more time. It was it's a Tyrannosaurus. It's just a normal Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> which in is this which one. is literally what I would have called it. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, I knew it had a weird name in Peter Jackson's King Kong, and I figured he took that name from this one and put it mm-hmm. in that one, but that was an assumption yeah. I shouldn't have made, and it turns out it is just a Tyrannosaurus in this one. So There you go. Oh well, what about your standout <laughs> effect, Alex? Um Let's see. Mine was actually just the Skull Island set, uh, mm. right where the na- the native people are just standing in front of the giant gate. That set is awesome. Mm-hmm. Holy moly! Yeah. And it's real, which is like the even yeah. crazier part to me is that it and it just looks so good, uh, especially when they open the doors or when they have to close them and they push that giant bar across to lock it. Mm-hmm. I'm really blown away by how great that all looked. I know I'm right there with you. And it makes me think of, it makes me think of uh, Jurassic Park, the original, honestly, like there's something about this. That's exactly what I thought. That's exactly uh, what I thought. Jurassic Park gained a lot of, like this film influenced Jurassic Park quite a bit. I really think that Um, in, in more ways than just that. But, yeah, but that no. was the moment where I was like, that feels like Jurassic Park. It really does. It really, yeah. You, you could definitely, that's what I was thinking several times in this. I'm like, I feel where uh, Spielberg got a lot of his influence from. Oh, yeah. And then there's that moment. There's been the tension, of course, between uh, the film crew uh, and the natives. And you get that moment where they're at the gate. Oh, yeah. Talking about that door. And they have to come together to try to hold Kong off. That was awesome. Um, and unexpected. I loved, it. I loved it because there was that conflict and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this conflict, but I'm glad that there came a humanizing point where the two worked together um, to, to try to hold Kong off. Now it didn't work, but it was yeah. good that they, they came together to try that at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about your, Oh, that's a good shout award. Uh, so after Kong fights the Tyrannosaurus Rex, um, mm-hmm. he goes into his cave that leads to his little perch in the mountainside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that cave set, the way it's lit, the way there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a haze in there really is just 
awesome looking. It just looks fantastic. Really, yeah. really impressed by it. The way that that whole shot's laid out and the, an entire fight scene ends up playing out in that area. It's just, I, again, I'm really blown away by the sets in this thing. They, they're so good. Uh, I yeah. don't know if I... Maybe I'm missing it in modern films because I'm just taking them for granted or I had low expectations for certain sets because of this is an older film. But there's something about all this that I'm just really impressed by. Uh, no, it's it's a combination of things to be sure. But also just I think CGI and how much is preferred over like a practical sort of set or a hand-built set, yeah. you know? Um, you really notice those details and... It's probably also just expectation on our end as well. Um, but my, oh, that's a good shot award. It was about to be when we see that long shot uh, of Kong uh, climbing up the Empire State Building and we just see its silhouette on the right-hand oh, side. Yeah. It's awesome. Great. But then we get the scene at the end, which is iconic. Uh, and there's there's a specific shot. It was just th- thinking about the creativity in this film. There's a point of view shot from one of the planes perspective where we get the camera swooping and zooming in towards Kong. And I'm like, man, there's a lot going on with this camera here. You have to give some credit to just the creativity, not just in the effects, but in the camera work. Um, And it was really demonstrated in that scene in particular. Uh, Technically, just a marvelous movie. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm really impressed. Uh, <laughs> let's just go ahead. Let's go yeah. ahead and get on to our rating and ranking on this one. You want to go right. first? You start us off then. Oh, yeah, okay. You start us off. All right. Yeah. So this film surprised me from front to back. I, I I went in expecting a good movie because this is a classic for a reason. There's a reason people still talk about it, but we know a lot of movies have aged poorly in a lot of ways. But to see this film that has only probably aged poorly in maybe one or two ways. I'm blown away because it feels like it is way ahead of the curve compared to a lot of things that we see, even in the 50s and 60s and even 70s, in terms of (laughs) violence and choreography with these monsters. There's Mm -hmm. just so much creativity going on. These sets are beautiful. Uh, The horror is really great. The characters are fun, even though they are probably the weak part. Uh, and 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 in particular, feels a little bit little bit weak. Um, but mm-hmm. other than that, this is a really great movie with an interesting message, something very unique, and really the character of. Um, Denim is one that I'm not going to forget anytime soon because he feels pretty real while also being a complete phony. And <laughs> I, I, I gotta give, I gotta give this, uh, I'm gonna give this a 4.5 out of five for me. Nice. This is a, nice. an excellent movie that everybody should see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so as Denim stated, whenever he's about to reveal Kong to his audience there in New York city, he says, seeing is believing And, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into King Kong because it feels like something I should have seen, but I just never have. Right. But after seeing it, I really believe the hype. You know, this is, (laughs) I had to see it and and I I am a believer now in King Kong (laughs) and I'm excited for this series. Um, 
I believe the effects here are actually more powerful than the narrative, which normally isn't the recipe for a film that I would enjoy. But in this case, I think the narrative is serviceable and the effects really make a difference. It's more of a horror film than I ever imagined. Pretty terrifying, in fact. Um, And maybe a reason that I never saw this as a kid. (laughs) Uh, It's a classic and and for good reason. So uh, I was teetering between 4 and 4.5, but I'm going to go 4.5 as well. Just once again, considering the... uh, 1933 that's that's 20 years before godzilla 21 years right um and we, we were getting this that's that's pretty awesome that is yeah I, i'm <laughs> glad you joined me up here at the 4.5 club that's a it's a yeah, rare sight I mean, to behold for you especially it is it is but i think i think this film deserves it for sure yeah we so started off week, on a Alex, good note yeah it did we, we we did we started off on a good note um which generally is the trend here for our series. Hopefully <laughs> this this uh, series will live up to this first film, but we shall see. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Um, next week, we'll oh. watch Son of Kong. Yeah. Alex, do you have a rhyme prepared for yeah. Son of Kong? Yeah, yeah. So next is Son of Kong. Will we see him in a thong? That is all. I hope it's small. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just came All up right. with it. I just came up with it. <laughs> I said I said, will we be enamored? Will, will we be as enamored with the son of a legend? Or will the son be the one to stifle Kong's progression? Ooh. We shall see. Yeah, you know, I'm really interested to look into this before we see it. Because I you know, I gotta figure out if this is a true sequel. I really gotta set my expectations. Mm. It is. It is, it is. it is a sequel. So, yeah. But yeah, do a little well, bit of. You, you can kind of set your expectations, but we'll see. We'll see about it. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if he turns his dad into like a robot and they team up against humanity. That'd be awesome. That sounds very likely. It's released in the same year. Uh, oh. They fast forwarded a sequel released in the same year because of the success of. Kong. All right, there's so. no way it's going to be as great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's all right though. We'll find out next week uh, with Son of Kong. But as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. We're on Letterbox, Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at our website mvmpod.com. Uh, if you want to become a Bargain Basement Club member and support us on Patreon, Patreon, you can do so over at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. That review really helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basir and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. Holy mackerel, you think I want to haul a woman around?
that was the first standout <laughs> line to me because it was just like I saw <laughs> <laughs> 1933. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. 